What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast and resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. So we are back. If you can't already tell, uh, this is probably in your podcast feed or you found this through the Facebook group or whatever, but 2019 is a brand new year. Give us a rating and review real quick before you get any further into today's episode or any other episode. If you're new, returning, I, I don't care. Um, just go ahead and leave us a nice little gift to start off the new year uh, since we did just get done with um, the holiday season. But uh, I actually hope that you all had a great holiday season. I do have a few things I want to talk about, but first and foremost, um, thank you all for being patient with me through the month of December. Um, that was very difficult because around the second or third week after maybe the Thursday following finals, um, I was ready to, to do this again. Uh, but I, I sort of had to force myself to kind of step back for a little bit, uh, which was very, very good, very, very healthy for me. So I, I'm actually really eager to get started on this again. We do have a great one today with uh, Nate Lake. He's actually been a guy that, uh, has stuck with us since I think early November, Nate, I think that's, um, we said uh, he volunteered, and then I was booked, and then we I scheduled him, but then I was going to go on this break through December, and uh, he's been a trooper through it all. Uh, glad to have him on all the way from Denver, Colorado. I, I think, I think, is he our first Colorado guy? Now, if if we've had multiple before that, don't don't put it on me because there's 103 of you. Uh, that I have to um, keep track from all 50 states. And maybe even possibly, hopefully, I've been working at this uh, more so than usual. Uh, Canadian people that we hope to have on the podcast. Uh, so get your passports ready. But anyway, guys. Um, yeah, and I, I meant to talk about my, my Christmas and everything. But uh, went to Madison. Kind of hung out for there for a little bit. Went up to Lebanon. Um Spent some time with Morgan and her family, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we went and saw some lights in Frankfurt, Indiana. If you don't know anything about Frankfurt, Indiana, just know that their uh, high school mascot's the hot dogs, and it's a wiener dog, um, and it's one of the greatest in the state, I think, right next to whatever the hell the Logansport Loganberries are, um, whatever the heck that cat-looking thing is. It's like a bear cat. You don't know quite what a bear cat is. Is it a wolverine? Is it a raccoon? Is it like it? There's no such thing as a bear cat, right? Actually, I think there is. I'm going to Google that here soon. But I'm pretty sure a bear cat's a real animal. But um, yeah, we went up there to Frankfurt and everything. We uh, She eventually came down to Madison. And what she and I did was um, took a day trip to Louisville. Uh, since it's about 40 minutes away from Madison. And we went to Churchill Downs. We went to Bardstown Road. Uh, for anybody in the area, I love Bardstown Road a whole lot. Um, and then we went to um, the Muhammad Ali Museum, which was, uh, or the Ali Center, I think is what they're calling it now. And that was a whole lot of fun uh, being able to fake gamble at the Churchill Downs um, and then being able to punch some punching bags at the Ali Center and learn about. What I think is the greatest of all time. Clearly, he he said it himself over and over and over again with Muhammad Ali. Uh, again, tons of fun. Then we went to Mall St. Matthew at the Cheesecake Factory. So uh, it was a pretty good day, pretty good week. 
um, and super excited to start the new year. This intro is going to be a little bit longer because I do want to talk to you guys about one more thing before we get into today's episode. Uh, I tweeted this out, I think it might have been a week ago. As we approach 2019 and the uh, January 1st date, a lot of you people are going to have New Year's resolutions. These New Year's resolutions do not have to be date specific. You don't need a date to make things happen for yourself. You don't need a date to make goals for yourself. Uh, I personally do uh, a reevaluation of goals and everything once every 90 days, I believe is what it is. Yeah, once every 90 days. Uh, And I do it in in specific areas. And it just so happens that the 90 days cycle comes up on January 1st. But it's not really New Year's resolution. I I think New Year's resolutions are BS in the fact that 365 days to have a goal is going to do a couple things. One, it's not really going to keep you accountable because you have 365 days. It's too long of a goal. Um, Many of you might have too lofty of goals. Um, Maybe pacing might be an issue with that. If you're going to do a whole year thing or or whatever, you're going to change your life. You're going to go to the gym. You're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you never get there because you don't have any tactics to get there. Um, New Year's resolutions, I don't think, are very manageable if you don't do it the right way. If you do it the right way, and I'm going to go through this here in a second, it's going to be effective because you're going to be able to track it. You're going to be able to hold yourself accountable, maybe even find a group to hold you accountable to reach your goals. Um, And you're also going to have, like I said, tactics and checkpoints along the way to get there. I got this um, 90-day thing. I've been doing it for about a year now. Uh, I think this is my fourth cycle doing it. Uh, it, it, It's called the Battle Planner from Order of Man. But I kind of changed it to be a goal objective sheet uh, because I don't think it really has to be specific to anybody. But uh, it it focuses on four specific areas, calibration, uh, connection, condition, and contribution. Calibration being getting right with yourself. And it's even a little selfish. Um, That could be working on your confidence, spirituality, the inner you, whatever. Uh, Connection would be a relationship with your spouse, friends, kids, coworkers, etc., Condition would be physical health, sleep, nutrition, diet, exercise, and contribution would be being a person of value. For example, uh, learning new skills, finance, degree, whatever. Um, And and the way that you do this first, in each of these four areas, you only pick one, maybe two at the max, depending on how big the one is. Uh, And you you create these objectives. From these objectives, uh, you will have different ones at the 30 and 60-day marks, uh, and you will follow the tactics. And and at some point, you should hit a... uh, uh, a checkpoint, I believe. Um, these tactics will be things that you will do in day in and day out every single day. Uh, like, for instance, uh, I want to run the USI running series trifecta. That includes running every single day. That's my objective. That's my tactic. And then at 30 days, I should have uh, raced and competed in the, um, the uh, oh, what's it called? The, the 5K that we have on campus and at the 60-day checkpoint, which I should have raced in the um, the 7K that we have on campus. So uh, those are different things that you do. You need to have this sort of planned out, have some sort of path, have some sort of map for yourself. That way you won't be so blind or so just kind of broadening your mission or your journey or whatever. Uh, because I think that that's one of the, the biggest ways and biggest reasons why people don't actually end up following through on their new year's resolutions too broad. They don't really have 
a journey or a path or some sort of battle plan uh, to get there. So I I got all this from uh, Order of Man, as I mentioned. You can you can find all that resource. Uh, he's got a group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash order a man. And you can find all that there. All the battle planners are already sold out. Believe me, I tried, uh, which makes me really sad. But um, anyway, guys, let, let's get on to today's episode. Uh, we do have Nate Lake, like I mentioned earlier. He's um, stuck with us for quite a while. I was looking, I was editing a little bit today, some other stuff. Uh, December 13th is when we actually interviewed him. And then I think that he volunteered to come on way back in like early November. So it was like a month before then, and then a month after the interview, because I told him I was taking a break. Uh, so he's been a trooper. He'll talk about being a freshman working for sports information in, uh, Colorado state university. Uh, over in uh, Colorado Springs, I believe, or Fort Collins, my fault. And uh, I'll talk about what it was like being a young professional uh, growing up through that system, uh, talk about the mentors that he's had, talk about going from essentially he wanted to go to, I think it was missionary school, and then he saw a GA opening at Wyoming, and he was like, you know what, let's go for it. So he took a shot on himself, which is one of the best things that you could do, uh, and then um now finds himself as a head job at MSU Denver uh, in Denver, Colorado, right in downtown Denver, Colorado, I believe. So uh, anyway, let's get to today's episode number 103 of SID Cast with Nate Lake of the MSU Denver Roadrunners. And we'll start off with this very first Texas sports information right here on SID Cast. So yeah, I started uh, at Colorado State University. Um, I was really, really lucky. So I knew I wanted to do something with sports, and I had always been a numbers nerd. And so, you know, that goes way back to like keeping my own records of baseball stats and things like that from the time I was like five or six years old. Uh-huh. Um, and so I would fill up notebooks with worthless projections that I did and things like that um, because it mattered to me, you know. And so I got lucky when I was about to start at CSU. um, I was connected with somebody who was helping people at the career center there before I ever even started as a student. And I met with her and she connected me up with a guy named Gary Ozello who was an SID at CSU uh, for 40 plus years still works at CSU on the university side and he's kind of a legend um around these parts um and so Gary passed off my resume to Paul Kirk who's currently the I want to make sure I get his title right he's either the associate or senior associate AD for communications at CSU um and Paul basically called me up and said, Hey, we've got a lot of student assistance. Um, and I remember the message vividly because I knew I really wanted an opportunity. And I remember Paul saying, we, we've got a big staff of student assistants and he had to leave me a message cause I missed the call. Uh, and I'm thinking he's going to tell me like, no, nope, yeah. we can't take you. Um, and I was like, dang it. And then it took a turn for the better that I wasn't expecting. And it said, uh, he said, but we'd love to add to that crew and we think you'd be a good fit. So, Hey, how about you come to our 
beginning of the year meeting in like a week. And so that was the day before I moved in as a freshman at CSU. So I actually think I helped stat like a football scrimmage before I ever even went to a class. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) yeah. So that was kind of my first taste. Um, So way back when I first started college. Well, I know that you had those uh, stupid, awkward icebreakers and stuff, and they asked you what you wanted to be. So uh, how did you describe being an SID uh, to maybe some of your freshman classmates or maybe some of your friends who had just gone into college too? Yeah, they'd be like, they'd ask me, so what is it exactly that you do? Because they'd see me at games, like sitting courtside or whatever. And I've developed that answer kind of into a better mold over time. But I used to say, you know, social media, stats, write press releases, et cetera, kind of just give them the laundry list of different things we do. Um, And try to stay away from the term SID unless I'm talking to people who know what that means because most people don't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the average person anyway. So. So yeah, um, most people who are in my life at this point know what that is, just because I've said it to them one time or another. But yeah, I think people were a little confused about, you know, my friends at first, like how in the world did I get into this position and this place where I was able to do that? Because we had a pretty, um, it was a pretty prestigious thing to be able to do um, at Colorado State, where we had a student body of nearly. 30,000 kids Mm -hmm. and there was like 10 of us who worked in the office so Mm -hmm. yeah awesome well I know from personal experience uh being a freshman and starting college just out and then getting a job like that um where it required a lot of time demand and it required a lot of attention and I know the dangers of maybe leaning one way too far than the other um how was it balancing for you that first couple years or maybe first couple (laughs) months at CSU it's almost like you already knew (laughs) my story when you ask that because that's a great question because for me so my freshman year you know I'm I've kind of you know I'm like a a do everything all the way kind of guy you know I don't like to do stuff halfway and I think that's probably how most SIDs are just because you really can't be halfway in and do a good job so um you know I went I went all in my freshman year I was you know, working every football game. I was working every men's basketball game. I was writing a a good amount of the press releases and stories for our website for track and field and cross country. Um, I had a lot of responsibility right off the bat, which was awesome. But I think that I burned myself out and I was just, you know, getting used to college, being in classes. Um, and I was also involved in a lot of other things too. And I had another job on the side so I could actually make my, (laughs) make money. Um, and so I was like, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this for my career, just kind of seeing around me how much time it took, how much responsibility it took. So my sophomore year, I actually didn't come back. I, I stopped working in the office my sophomore year and thought I wanted to give more time to other things I was involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I wasn't seeing it as a career path for me. Right. And so, man, I remember just being, you know, kind of sitting around, um, inside my house that I lived in with some of my friends my sophomore year and watching a game on TV and thinking like, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. I can't be watching this on TV. You know, like I need to be on the front lines being a part of this. And so that feeling kind of stayed around. And I remember, um, Paul still gave me a chance or two to work some football games when they were, you know, down a person or whatever. Um, and so still around a little bit. And then I called him up, summer 
after my sophomore year and said, Hey, I miss it really bad. I want to come back. Is there any, is there any way? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, we, we have this system where, like I said, it was fairly prestigious. And so you'd be unpaid for your first year, but then you could make money your second year as an intern or as a student assistant. And he said, you're going to have to do a second unpaid year because we've already got all our slots filled up. Uh And I said, I just want to be involved. I just want to have a part of this. Um, can I come back? And he said, yep, you can do that. So I came back and I gave it my all my junior year. And then that led to actually more, a lot more responsibility my senior year. So, I didn't balance it well at first mm-hmm. as a short answer to your question, but it, it kind of took some time for me to figure that out. <coughs> I know for me, uh, I, I leaned too strongly into doing that, that I neglected many other areas uh, of what was actually important at the time, uh, such right. as academics. I, um, I didn't do very well that first year because I was like, oh, this is so, I would rather do this, you know? Right, exactly. Um, and then I uh, had the same feeling as you. I don't think I've ever told this, but like I, I left college for a little while, and uh, oh, really? I, yeah, and I was I was watching games on TV. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I don't want to feel that feeling ever again. So. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's it's a weird one for us. Like, I I still don't know how to be a fan uh-huh. at games. I mean, for professional teams, I think I'm fine with it. But like, when I'm at a different college game, or even a even a game, say an away game that uh-huh. I'm not working for whatever reason. And I'm in the stands. I just, I just feel confused. You know, uh-huh. I just I'm like, where's my stat monitor? Yeah. You know, like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, there are certain uh, stat programs that have ruined watching games for me. Yeah, like um, <laughs> I know that baseball too. and softball. Yeah, that that I can't like not score it in my head whenever yep. whenever I watch a game. But uh, like you mentioned, your, your role's kind of involved. You, you stuck it out for that unpaid year, uh, which I'm sure was difficult, but then your role's eventually evolved. What do you mean by that? What kind of responsibilities were you given? So kind of had a unique scenario my senior year where we were undergoing some turnover, and I was actually graduating a semester early, so I was graduating in December. Um, and so we basically were down a track and cross country person and I had worked at that sport the whole time I'd been there in the office. Um, and I knew the coach as well. And so I'd been functioning pretty much as, as the SID for those sports with some oversight. And they basically said, you know, Hey, we really need somebody, you know, we think you can do cross country and would you be able to do that this fall? And I said, sure. And so I did cross country that fall. And then when I graduated, um, we still didn't have anybody in that position. So it was like, somebody needs to do track and field now and either somebody's going to have to take it on or could you stick around potentially as a part-time employee? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was making money that year, you know, in the first place, but it basically stuck around and evolved from like an intern into kind of a part-time, mm-hmm. um, employee and helped out with some other stuff as well, but mainly worked with the track and field team, traveled with them to the conference meets and stuff like that. And so I stuck around and through that summer or through, yeah, through about midway through that summer before I got my GA position. And what about your GA position? Was it at Colorado state? Was it at someplace else? Can you spare no detail on that? Yeah. So (laughs) it wasn't at Colorado state and it actually made me a complete traitor um, because I went and crossed the border to the university of Wyoming. Um, And it's kind of an interesting story. I guess my career path is kind of, now that I'm talking about it, Mm -hmm. has been kind of 
a funky one. It hasn't been necessarily straightforward because I've had kind of these bumps in the road along the way, but I didn't even think I was going to um, do the GA position or go that route or even work in the profession after college. I kind of had, I guess, round two of those like jitters about it. Um, I actually was pretty much committed to going to seminary out in Portland, Oregon, um, and had plans to move there. And it was pretty awesome. Try to give you the kind of short version of this story, but I was with the CSU track and field team at the Mount West outdoor championships in May. And I just, I thought, man, like there's no way this is it for me in sports. Like I just love sports too much. I love what I do too much. I love being around these kids and being around these people. And at that point, some of the student athletes were pretty much my peers because we were about the same age. Um, And so I just thought, man, this couldn't be it. So I kind of started thinking about it, praying about it. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I've kind of said like cheated on what I had, what my plans were Uh cheating cheating on my plans by looking for jobs kind of behind the scenes, not too seriously that evolved quickly into like seriously looking. And Uh then I kind of had a decision to make. And so it was a crazy, awesome story where, I, you know, I really trust my parents and, um, they're, you know, awesome voices of wisdom in my life. And so I went down, uh, to my parents' house and talked to them one night and said, what do you think I should do? And we kind of had this talk and I kind of came out of that feeling really confident that I should continue along with, um, working in athletic communications. And so that was like a Saturday night and I just remember it vividly because of how it all unfolded. And then Sunday I saw that Wyoming had a position open for a, a GA and I thought, Oh man, like of all places that I don't want to apply just because they were <laughs> one of our you know main uh-huh. rivals at CSU. But I put my name in and of course Wyoming was the first one to call me uh-huh. on Monday. Uh, they called, so they called me the day after I applied, they asked me to interview the following day on Tuesday. And then the day after I interviewed on Wednesday, they called and offered me the position. And so it was like a five day swing where I went from like, I don't even know if I'm doing this to, I have a job. Right. So yeah, exactly. it was pretty, it was pretty much a whirlwind, but a huge, you know, I'm a, definitely a person of faith. So definitely a, um, you know, what I, what I would consider to be God's hand in my life, just providing that for me. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. And it was definitely confirmation for me that that's what I should be doing. What were some differences between what you did maybe in undergrad to what you were doing now at a GA at Wyoming? So, yeah, in that transition, I mean, it was big time difference because I just got so much more involved, you know, um, the hours I wasn't spending, studying or writing my thesis I was pretty much working events whether that be um women's basketball I did all of our stat typing um I I was involved uh with wrestling we had wrestling there um and I did I worked all those uh home duels and home tournaments and stuff and then volleyball I was our main stats person um and then I also worked a lot of the men's basketball games doing TV stuff and um, football, obviously, everyone. It's all hands on deck. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had my three sports beyond that. So it definitely was just a lot more involved functioning as a full-time member of the staff, basically, um, without, you know, being there 
eight to five or whatever, just because I was also in school. So yeah, just really, really stepped up the involvement, got a lot more experience with things like stack crew and, um, yeah, I was just around a lot more. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in the same situation. Student athletes, um, being the same age as you and you still yeah. have to cover them and, and, you, and you have to be kind of that, you have to be like the bigger person and so to speak. But, uh, how did you right. walk that fine line? Yeah, I think it was just something where I kind of like, I tried to kind of build respect just based on like the work that I did and mm-hmm. kind of let that do the talking. And then I had no issues being, you know, friends with them or, um, hanging out with them or whatever that may be. Not really in a, you know, not in a weird way or crossing lines or anything, but like, you know, just still being personable, realizing like I'm not trying to be their superior necessarily just because, you know, we are similar in age and ta- having, you know, uh, good, good and normal conversations with them. But at the same time, like ha- making my work come first, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they would see that. And when they saw what was being put out and they appreciated the promotion, they appreciated the work I was doing for them. Then there was all- automatically that respect there you know Mm. and then that kind of freed up the ability for me to be friendly with them and just kind of um accept them as peers uh more so than me really like being a superior um so yes it's it's definitely kind of a strange situation because i'm i'm still i mean i'm i'm the same age as some of the i'm full-time now Uh and i'm i'm the same age as a few of our student athletes um and only a couple years older than you know some of our seniors so yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely something where you just have to understand the role you're in and just, um, you know, take it case by case in, in terms of kind of how you should act. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about getting a job at Metro State. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to pick one of the, the many names that they've got down there. But um, Yeah, Metro so, State is what everyone knows, even though that's not our official name. <laughs> right. Uh, so moving Again, uh, coming back to Colorado, um, getting the job at Metro State, like you said, a full-time job now. Were you looking for a head job? Were you looking for assistant jobs? Um, What was uh, that part of life like for you once your GA ship was up? Yeah, so once that was over, I moved back in with my parents in Colorado Springs for just a couple months while I was looking. Um, And, yeah, I was looking for pretty much anything, just whatever seemed to be the best fit. And I was applying for various different positions division one division two etc just kind of whatever was open and was just kind of try to figure out what the right fit was for me and so i was lucky enough to kind of be pursued by metro state um and so there's definitely some connections between my previous stops at csu and wyoming and that helped uh for sure to kind of get this going um and so yeah i mean that was I was pretty lucky, actually. I mean, I definitely did the job search for, you know, four or five months. Um, but all things considered, I was about, I was pretty much two months removed from graduating with my master's when I had my job. So, I mean, all things considered, that's that's not too bad um, <laughs> compared to what some people have to do uh-huh. once they graduate. So, so, yeah, I was pretty open about it. What is it like, I'm sure, still being a young SID, like you said, you, you still haven't quite shaken that role of possibly being a peer to some of your student-athletes. Um, so what's it been like trying to navigate the whole field of a, a sports information for you? 
You know, I think I embrace it. I don't try to be someone I'm not. So I embrace being youthful and knowing I still have a ton to learn. I mean, this is where it's probably appropriate for me to bring up um, the guy who is working closely with me here at Metro. His name's Rob White. And Rob is a former sports writer who is in his first year being on the institutional side of college athletics. And so, you know, Rob is is twice my age. I won't say he acts twice my age, uh-huh. but um, it's kind of funny because the two of us are pretty much in charge of the publicity of all of our programs. And so, you know, I think he, he appreciates learning from me and I appreciate learning from him. Like he's got a whole bunch of wisdom and has been around a lot of things in pretty much any situation that we're in. He could compare it to something he's already seen. Um, and I mean, just has a real knack for telling stories and it just really does an amazing job in his first year being an SID. And at the same time, um, you know, so I'm learning from him and he's learning from me too, things that he's had experience with Mm -hmm. before, you know, stack crew and even Twitter and things like that. Um, and really just picking it up. And so I, I kind of take my, my youth as, you know, I'm not an expert on some things. Like I have to make a lot of mistakes still (laughs) that I need to learn from. And I've made plenty, um, you know, whether that's stack crew going haywire on me during a game or, um, whatever, whatever it may be. But at the same time, I see myself as more of an expert on things like social media. Like I've, had a ton of experience with that. And I don't think I'm behind anyone who's older than me in that sense. Um, so yeah, I think I try to embrace it and just, you know, I know that student athletes know I'm not 10 years older than them. So they, they just, they treat me with respect and I do the same, but I, I like to have fun with them. I like to, to get to know them. And the same thing with all my staff, respect everybody who's older than me, which is pretty much everyone. Um, but at the same time, you know, be confident that I've got something to offer here, and that's why I'm here. What has been the biggest adjustment for you moving from a Division One offices to a Division Two office at MSU Denver? Well, I think probably the obvious one is it's just more work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm used to having three sports and really putting my all into them, and then all of a sudden I have 16. Mm-hmm. And so there's really nothing that can prepare you for that jump, to be completely honest. You kind of just have to go through the gauntlet for a little bit. And I remember, man, a conversation with – I keep bringing up Paul Kirk uh, from CSU because he's definitely my mentor um, in this profession. And I had a conversation with Paul a couple months ago, like, Paul, man, I am just – I'm exhausted. I'm weary, man. Like, things are – just not slowing down at all we've had a month and a half that i don't think i've seen the light of day pretty much (laughs) just because i've had work or something related to work every single day and you know he knows that well and so kind of just encouraging me to stick it out and next thing you know like two months later i'm like man i'm kind of ready for us to have some home games again because we've been off for five of six weekends Uh or whatever it is so it's definitely the amount of work you you can't go as deep into what you're doing like you you know you can't spend three hours researching one note because all of a sudden you missed two stories and you know updating stats and tweeting out things for four other sports that are also going on so like it's a lot more staying on your toes uh from different 
things that are happening and being aware of every sport. I mean, that is, it's like, you know, we've all had the day where two or three of our sports are competing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But this is like every single day, meaning whatever we're competing in, I've got to cover. And it's really easy to let something kind of slip off the radar because you're invested in whatever else is going on. So Man, some of those initial weekends where we had <laughs> – I was less than a month in, and we hosted the biggest Division Two volleyball tournament in the nation, um, the yeah. Colorado Premier Challenge, which has, like, 12 teams. You know, most of them are top 25, et cetera, et cetera. I got to make sure all the stats are distributed and all the live stats work on two simultaneous courts for a two-day tournament. Mm. And it's like – yeah, that's a lot for a guy who has not been in the role for even a month yet. Mm-hmm. And then once I got over that, I was like, okay, I can do anything now. <laughs> but some of those initial weekends of having men's and women's soccer on Friday and Sunday, as well as volleyball on Friday and Saturday, and then cross-country running somewhere else or whatever, like those initial weekends, I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. <laughs> and yeah. I think – all it took was a few months and now I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with it. So just the workload and the weekends being full as opposed to no, you know, we don't have any weeknight games hardly ever. Mm -hmm. So it's just adjusting to taking your time when you need it, you know, making those nights relaxing, not trying to work yourself into the ground until 10 PM because you're going to have to be here all weekend. So some of those things have definitely been a learning curve for me. What about, you You mentioned you got a lot of events that you have to take care of, like initially. you got to build student staff for that. you got to build some sort of staff, some sort of game day ops. What's it been like for you recruiting, maybe training um, this staff in such a short period of time? Yeah, so luckily my boss is incredible at recruiting people and game workers and has a lot of different connections. And we're in a really unique environment here at, MSU Denver we're right downtown so we have a lot of connections with the Rockies the Nuggets Mm -hmm. uh, the Avs etc where some of those people um, help us out on game days and so um, kind of the main core worker positions I don't have to take care of or schedule at least at this point which has been pretty nice I kind of just inherited the way it's always been which is a lot of people that we've had in place for a lot of years, which is really nice. Um, but then kind of some of those extra positions like backup stack callers or mm-hmm. um, someone to live tweet the game, which is basically wasn't happening um, the last couple of years that I really, you know, I want to happen. Um, I've had to recruit some students. And so basically I've gone into classes and just been a guest speaker and said, Hey, come help us out. We need you. We love for you to come um, get some experience and we've had quite a few eager um, takers on that so that's still developing for sure and we'll have some new people next semester but I'm kind of trying to shape it into the way it was when I was a student because it developed into something that was like you know people cherish the opportunity rather than just you know thinking it was you know just whatever, whenever they wanted to show up, mm-hmm. whatever they wanted to do, we've kind of made it at CSU. It was definitely like a big responsibility and a big, um, reward at the same time to be a part of that. And so I'm kind of trying to institute the same thing here. And what's nice is we have a sport management program. So there's plenty of yeah. sports people out there. Um, 
And I'm actually, so they actually asked me towards the end of this semester if I was interested in teaching a class or two next oh, semester. there you go. So I didn't take it right away because I'm like, man, I'm still brand new in this job. I don't think I can take that on yet. Yeah. I don't think that would be smart for me to do. But it's something I'm definitely considering for next year and I think would even just make that connection stronger. So that's something I'm kind of excited about. What, uh, what classes is it? So one of them is sport media operations which pretty much is what it sounds like it's basically si it's sid class so i was like man where was this when i was in college (laughs) like i would have eaten this thing up man you know Mm -hmm. i was like that that would have been i would have been in my element in in that class um but csu of course the sport management program kind of started developing when i was leaving so and now there's an awesome partnership with the denver broncos up there and they have a really cool program but that wasn't really in place yet when i was finishing up so i just did the old communications degree yeah and um yeah the other one i think that they wanted me to look at was um social media technology and sport so Mm -hmm. i mean very very similar and related to what i'm doing right i think here we uh, we had sport communication which was about the social media stuff and then we also had a Sport public relations was the other one. Sport public relations was more or less the SID class. Right. So, yeah. so yeah, when we got in there, everybody was, like, struggling. I'm like, dude, I do this, like, every day. Like, yeah. <laughs> Word is, on the street is they all hate InDesign in that class, and I oh, think yeah. they're, in for, they're in for a rude awakening. So <laughs> that's well, kind perfect. of funny to me. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, you've had a lot of mentors and a lot of uh, – bosses and, and people that you've looked up to throughout your yeah. throughout your entire thing so how have you tried to instill that with your some of your uh workers and maybe some of your interns and things like that maybe some advice that you that you give to them right um yeah like you said i, I mean i'd be remiss if i didn't give a couple shout outs to the people who basically have paved the way for me um one who i've mentioned is paul kirk and then um, up at Wyoming, I was under another legend around here, Tim Harkins, um, who is just a really a master at media relations um, and just really knows how to work with um, all the different publications. We had the Josh Allen Media Circus happening during yeah. my time there, and it's pretty awesome to watch him um, excelling for the Bills now. Uh, and so Tim handled that in an awesome way, and I just got to learn from him there. Uh, as well as John Kitzman here, who's also a former CSU guy. Um, and so I've got a lot of kind of connections with that. And all, all three of those guys have different styles, um, different leadership styles, but I've I've kind of taken bits and pieces from all of them um, to instill in the people that I'm kind of training. And um, I think right now it's really just there's two things um, in terms of passing on what I've learned from my mentors. And the first one is just patience and understanding that whoever's coming under my wing, they're starting from pretty much ground zero. They don't, they're not coming in knowing how this all works and how we do everything. Um, they've got a lot to learn. They're totally brand new. They just, you know, it's basically where I was at. I love sports. I love numbers. Give me something to do, right. you know? <laughs> and that's kind of where, what I have right now. And so it's just patience of teaching them hey, no, you still didn't get this right for the sixth time, but do this better next time, and you're going to get there eventually, and I believe in you kind of right. thing. Um, and so it's just patience. And a lot of them do get it right away, 
but some, you know, there's certain things that you're going to understand right away and certain things that you're not going to understand right away. You're not going to be able to call a perfect game, um, stack calling the first time and that's fine. Right. Um, and then I think the second one is just interest. You have to show an interest in that person. And that kind of is a two way street. If they're not showing a whole lot of interest in initiative, then I may not show as much back, but Mm -hmm. if they show interest in initiative and I want to be here and I want to help out, then I'm going to give that back to them, um, and show them, they are an important part of this place and how it runs. And we really appreciate their help. I mean, I got to give a shout out to, so to one of, one of them is our, is our intern and he's actually sitting in the next room right now. And just like I was talking about, the man just puts in the hours, um, and him and, and someone else who's one of our game workers and both of them are pretty young. Um, and, I had given them kind of a basketball stat calling 101 because we were down stat callers for our first home games of the year. Right. And men's basketball is our flagship sport. Um, something I just found out last night is that we are, we have the best winning percentage all time in men's basketball at division two, which wow. I can't believe I just found that out. <laughs> uh, shout out to Rob, who I mentioned before, who figured that one out last night. So that was entering this season. Um, so men's basketball is a big deal around here. And <laughs> first home game of the season this year, it's my first men's basketball game here. And I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. And we had an absolute stack crew meltdown. Uh-huh. It was, um, I had a, a half of a roster for our opposing team and didn't realize it until about five minutes before the game. And I was trying to enter in the extra players I was missing and something just wasn't cooperating with me. And, you know, I've, I've got those, those jitters too where i'm just kind of shaking and going oh no this is not good <laughs> well we end up writing the whole game down oh wow on yeah. paper old school style uh-huh. and going back and inputting it and like i said my boss john kitsman is a total wizard and he he was able to basically catch us all the way up um using one of the callers one of one of our interns to where like 13 minutes left in the second half, we were typing live as the game was going. And I was like, I cannot, I could not believe it that we had caught up that far. Uh, but those two students, they kept their cool. They listened to me. They did what they were asked. They stayed 30 minutes after the game to cover the tracks and kind of finish up like fixing things that we needed to fix. And they didn't, break a sweat mm-hmm. and i was incredibly impressed at the way that they handled themselves and i was i was super proud of them and i told them that like five times so all that to say like you have to do that too you know tell people when they're doing a good job and what they're doing right you know you do point it out when they're not doing it right but at the same time it's just as important if not more to to point out you did a great job on this um i appreciate your hard work i really appreciate you keeping your cool because i mean they taught me a lesson about keeping keeping my cool cool, during those moments (laughs) so it was pretty awesome and realizing i can learn a lot from them just as much as they can learn from me awesome well i'd like to trace this part of the interview where i like to ask some fun questions we already covered a couple of them but we'll still go through go through some uh what's your favorite memory in your professional tenure um, okay, so I thought that would be like a really difficult one, but it's actually <laughs> not too hard. Um, so like I said, at Wyoming, there's wrestling and I had not experienced that at the collegiate level before. And 
I made a friend, lucky enough for me, I made a couple friends actually right away in my time there who were really involved in the wrestling program, uh, one of which does a lot of commentary for Flow Wrestling. Wow. Um, and so he's like a walking encyclopedia uh, for wrestling. And so he basically taught me everything there is to know. And so we have a... Um, a dual meet that's like a outreach meet every year at Wyoming where the team goes somewhere else in Wyoming and hosts a home meet. And so this one was awesome. So Bryce Meredith, who's really well known in the wrestling world was ranked, uh, like I want to say number three at 141 pounds. It was a senior year. Um, and he had just finished as the national runner up. Um, I think the previous year, Either that or maybe he had taken fourth or so um, at the national meet. And his hometown is Cheyenne, Wyoming. And we hosted the dual meet in Cheyenne against Oklahoma State, who is Mm -hmm. a wrestling power. They were ranked like number three in the nation at that point. And their head coach coached our head coach in college. Wow. So there's plenty of storylines here. And so I don't know how much people are familiar with, you know, wrestling because some schools have it, some don't. But you can agree on which weight to start at. And so we started at 149 so that we could end with Bryce in front of his home crowd at 141. And this place, Story Gym in Cheyenne, was packed. I mean, there was literally probably three to 4,000 people in this tiny gym. Wow. And it was deafening in there. And we get to near the end of the duel, and we're supposed to get smoked by Oklahoma State. And it's actually a close duel. We had won like three or four matchups we weren't supposed to win. And I remember my friend David, he's like, he predicted 33 to three would be the score. And we're getting close to the end. And it's like, it's like, uh, like 18 to 12 or something like that. Uh And by the time we got to Bryce's, we didn't have a chance to win, except I think if he would have gotten a pin. Um, But he was taking on the number one ranked wrestler in the nation dean heil who had won 55 straight matches (laughs) and in front of his home crowd bryce beats dean heil like two to one just this brutal hard-fought match and you could i just never will forget the look that dean had he looked like he he just looked like he was one of those in the movies like a guy crawling across the desert because he just could not breathe at Uh the end because we're competing at seven thousand feet uh, in Wyoming. And so Dean just got absolutely exhausted and Bryce beat him. And I've never heard a a gym get so loud before. Um, and so snapped the 55 match winning streak. It was his first look. Like it, it kind of, kind of sad. It was kind of the downfall of, of Dean Heil. Like he, Mm. he ended up kind of fading away that season. Um, and Bryce ended up losing in the national championship match, unfortunately, but in front of his home crowd, you know, just seeing that place get amped and him winning that match against all odds. It was like, I was, I was seriously shaking. I, it was one of the times where like, you know, there's no cheering on press row, but if you don't let out a little yell, then there's something, there's something wrong, wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you already covered a little bit of a, a horror story that you had. Did you have another? Uh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> let me think here. Yeah. Another horror story. And if not, that's um, fine. Well, my coworker Rob just walked in, so there's one. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, 
there was one night I remember when I was in charge of doing CSU track and field stuff where it was kind of, I think it was kind of something funky, like maybe a Thursday and I just forgot we were competing. And I remember waking up the next morning and going, we competed last night and I did nothing. <sighs> and it wasn't because I didn't want to, I wasn't being lazy. It was just, just it just, yeah. it just completely slipped my mind. I don't think I've ever made that mistake again, but yeah, that was one where it's like, well, you learn the hard way, you, you forget to do it and you just pick yourself back up and do a good job the next time. <laughs> so I hope, I hope you forgave me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, man, I think we could always grow in like time management and just mm. how to balance everything. Um, so I think that's one. I think really just what is the best way to get exposure at the Division Two level? What's the way best way to market your programs? Is it putting butts in the seats? Is it you know, TV coverage, which we've been fortunate to have a little bit of here. Um, is it getting coverage just on social media? Uh, we've kind of developed the model here. Like we're our own channel, you know, we are mm -hmm. our own, we are our own media outlet. And so is that the best way to do it? Um, I really like social media. I think that's my niche that I'm kind of, you know, that I'm probably the best at out of all the skills. Um, Something I, I would actually like to grow in technically is my graphic design stuff. I, yeah. I like graphic design. I, I think I have a decent eye for it, but I'm just not trained uh, for super formally on it. And I would love to just get a lot more training and just, man, I could spend hours looking through those Twitter accounts that showcase the best graphic design work around the nation, like in college sports. Those, those just fascinate me with all the awesome stuff people do. And so I'd love to be at a level one day where I can – maybe give a little more time to it and just, you know, be able to put out the best possible product in that sense. Yeah. Awesome. Well, when you look around the country, uh, division, whatever, um, and you say, look at somebody, you say that's an SID. What are some things that they do or maybe some characteristics that they have to make you say that? Okay. So I would say it's kind of the same things I preach to the class that I spoke in, um, about being an SID I think you have to have accuracy, number one. Um, you have to be – the details got to be right. And it really just irks me when the details are wrong. It irks me even more when I do it uh -huh. and get the details wrong. Um, I know that you know Rob and I have spent a lot of time in our first few months kind of just cleaning up some things that were inaccurate or just you know records that weren't kept totally right or – you know, it might be the smallest little thing. Like, I'll call him out and say that yesterday we found an old schedule <laughs> that had we were trying to figure out if a game was neutral or an away game because it was at a tournament, and the schedule said East Orange, California, and Rob figured out that was not an East Orange; it was just an Orange, and he changed it yeah. on the schedule <laughs> because it mattered, you know. Yeah. And to us, I think that's how you that's how you take it to the next level. That stuff has to matter. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like three-year-old schedules in the location you play the game in, but that's just kind of a funny example of you got to be detail-oriented and accurate no matter what it is. And I think if you do those couple of things, that's that's what separates 
you know, the best from the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we already mentioned a little few uh, tidbits for some young professionals here, but uh, did you have any more that you'd like to add to that list? Yeah, I think that, you know, you just got to put your work in. Um, I think the reason I'm here now at, at my age is just because I put the time in and I got the experience that was necessary and I was fully there wherever I was. Um, I think there was a good analogy I heard recently, like being the gym rat, be the gym rat of the office, you know, that doesn't mean be unhealthy and don't get any sleep and, you know, skip meals and things like that. And don't work out. Like those things have to be at the, like all the other areas of your health have to be like at the top of the list. But beyond that, you know, if you've got to do something at a moment's notice, do it. Like our, our AD sent me an email last night after 11 and I thought, yeah, I should probably respond to that right now. So I whipped out my computer, even though I just turned it off and, uh, got it put, turn it back on. It took me two minutes, you know? Um, and just kind of being proactive in that way, I think, man, those, those are key when people can reach you and people know that you're going to take care of them, especially coaches. That's, that is number one. So being the gym rat and then, you know, showing each coach and each staff member you work with that they're of equal importance, I would say is, is huge. Awesome. Well, next time somebody is in uh, Denver, I know it's kind of a, a, a big area to cover, but what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh man. Um, holy cow. So I got to say that there's this awesome place that we actually went to yesterday for our um, like Christmas breakfast with our external ops people, uh-huh. and that was the Denver Biscuit Company. I mean, probably just because it's fresh on my mind right now, but man, uh-huh. it is absolutely incredible. Um, that's more breakfast, and I'm a big breakfast guy. Um, but I would say um, There's a really cool place called Punchbowl Social that's like, if you're in Denver, you know about it, but it's like a, it's like a restaurant combined with like every other fun thing you could think of mm-hmm. all in one place. Um, so that place is awesome. And to be completely honest with you, there's so many there's down you, here yeah. that I'm, I'm honestly try, overwhelmed to try to answer that question. <laughs> no, that's completely fine. Well, how about this one then? Uh, work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? To have fun, I mean, I stay pretty involved, like, in my church and in, um, you know, activities that kind of encourage my faith. Um, so there's, like, a there's like a group that meets Thursday nights here uh, for young adults in the city, and it's pretty big, and um, I, I go to that, and it's really near my house, which is nice. Um just kind of hanging out with friends. And I mean, I still have a lot of friends in Fort Collins and they recently came down to hang out with me here and just do brewery tours and stuff like that. I mean, I like going out and trying, we have like, you could never try all the craft breweries with how many we have. Uh And I mean, that's, that's a huge recommendation for me is just trying breweries. Um, and something I love to do. Um, yeah, really just exploring Denver is that'll take plenty of time because it's it is like you said, it's a big place, a lot of cool neighborhoods. So yeah, I would say between like doing that and um, you know, we are really close, like I said, to a lot of the pro teams around here. So like walking to a Rockies game after work. Um, I was fortunate to be able to do that during the September round this year, which was mm-hmm. a blast. Um, 
or we're literally the Pepsi Center borders our campus. Wow. So, um, you know, the Nuggets and Abs are at an arm's length. I am a Red Wings fan, I have to say. So, uh, how'd you do that? Nugget. How'd that happen? I'm from Detroit. So oh, I okay. Up, I grew up in Michigan and lived there until I was 14. Oh. So I'm I'm a diehard Detroit fan, mm. and I can't pretend like I'm an Avs fan. So I had to clarify that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just kind of the usual things. Yeah, perfect. Well, um, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe wanted to follow up with you after this, what would be the best way to do it? Really, anything. I mean, email is fine. Um, it's on our website, and then I'm really big on Twitter. So Twitter's probably easiest way to reach me i'll definitely see that so and what's your handle uh so it's just my name with a underscore in front of it so underscore nate lake at underscore nate lake well perfect nate thank you very much for coming on thanks for sticking with us uh, through the whole yeah through the whole postponement and everything but uh really do appreciate it this was a fun one yeah absolutely thank you all right thank you Well, guys, there you have it. Next week, we will be back with some brand new episodes. We're back to our normal schedule routine. We will have Chris Sabato from Willamette. He was on, I think, not March of last year, but March of two years ago. So it's going on two years since Chris has been on the show. I know a lot of you uh, follow him for advice as far as streaming, as far as any equipment things that's going on, maybe some graphic stuff. Uh, we will talk to Chris about all of it, revisit his path. Um, I, I think I've, I vaguely remember if uh, uh, I'm remembering correctly that he had to live in the uh, football stadium at Willamette when he first got to working with the Bearcats and how the homeless would use the bathroom outside his door which is insane to me, but uh, we'll go through all that again, I promise, and we'll have a great one as usual. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.